John chapter 8, if you haven't uh, turned there already, is what we're going to look at this morning. John chapter 8, either the Pew Bible or maybe the scriptures you brought with you. We're going to look at verse, starting in verse 12 all the way through verse uh, 30 this morning. Uh, one thing I want to bring up and just kind of prepare maybe our, our mindset, uh, mental shift as we go into this passage is to remember maybe a, a pattern that we've seen a little bit in the Gospel of John so far is just how intentional Jesus is. Jesus, all throughout, is very intentional in what he says in the context that he's communicating his truth. You know, for example, he's at the, the wedding at Cana in John chapter 2. Early on, his first thing uh, in his ministry, he changes water to wine. And he's saying that I am the point. I, I, there's joy in life you can have because of who I am in, in, in my ministry that is before me. Uh, a little bit after that, Jesus is at the, the, by the well with the Samaritan woman. You remember this story. And they're having this little back and forth with her, Jesus is. And he basically says to her, if, if you knew the water that I could offer to you, you, you would want it and you would never thirst. Feeding of the 5,000. He creates this bread, this food for them out in the middle of nowhere, seemingly. And he communicates to them, I am the bread of life. Come and you will be satisfied. He's at the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booze that we saw last week. And he gets up and again, he says, you know, if, if you believe in me, if you, you thirst and come to me with that need, out of you will flow these, these rivers of, of living water that you will have. Each context, Jesus is, is using that setting to communicate his truth. And I think it reminds us of how intentional God is in our lives. You know, it's easy for us to buy into the idea that, you know, God is, is out there. And I, abstractly, he's up there and I believe in, in him. But I don't know if he's in my day-to-day routine. You know, if, if we really believe that he's there in the midst of my circumstances, all the fallenness, all the, the craziness that goes on around us, and it's like, is God really there? Is he really present? But all throughout the scripture, it presents a God who is involved. Holy, yes, but with us, with his people, guiding, directing, shaping, and informing, nothing happens that he does not want to happen. He's, he's fully sovereign and fully involved in all of our lives, uh, present with us always, which is to say God is always at work. And we go to his word and we approach our, our circumstances in our lives that God is always at work in the midst of those things. Just because you don't understand what's going on doesn't mean that he is not present and fully engaged, but by faith that we know he is there. And yet we struggle with that so much. Is God really there? Is God really helping me? Is he going to provide? Is he going to come through for me? And so if you're here this morning doubting, not, not disbelieving, but doubting and really wondering. Pray that God will give you eyes of faith. If you're coming here feeling out of it or feeling, feeling blah, pray that God would give you a passion. Pray that, that God would renew you in his, his zeal for him. If you're coming here this morning looking for wisdom, pray that he would provide, provide understanding for you. This morning, Jesus is going to present himself as the light of the world. And I want us to remember that he is that light and he is always at work as the light in our lives. So let's stand together for the reading of God's word, John chapter 8, and we'll start in verse 12. Again, this may be a different translation of what you're reading in the Pew Bible, but it will, I think, enhance um, the message. 
Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I come from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, Therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I'm going away, and you will seek me, and you will, you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, Will he kill himself? Since he says, Where I am going, he cannot, you cannot come. He said to them, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand what he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing of my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is, is, is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he is saying these things, many believed in him. This is God's word, absolutely true. Let's pray together. Father, would you uh, come and would you be present? Would you give us ears to hear and to embrace you by faith? We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. Some Friday nights in our house, we'll have a family movie night, which is not that big a deal in and of itself. And sometime back, we watched the movie Tarzan. It was the, the animated version of, of Tarzan. And you all remember this story. It's, it's basically the same. Uh, Tarzan uh, is raised by gorillas out in the jungle. And that's just his life from a little infant where, he, you know, still in diapers, basically. Uh, he's raised up and he becomes this mature man, so to speak, raised by gorilla and just adopted their lifestyle. And there's one point in the, in the movie, of course, where Tarzan comes across this expedition of humans, of man coming into the jungle and exploring. And, and it's the first time he's been exposed to people like this, and it's just startling for him. And, of course, he sees Jane there, and he falls in love with her and has this attraction to her. And there's, it brings up this tension, you know, who am I, where am I from, I'm raised with these gorillas, yet I'm a man, and all this stuff going on. And all of it, of course, comes to a, a head, because he has these feelings for Jane, and he, wa- he wants to be with her, and the expedition is leaving, they're, they're going to return home to, to England, and he's wondering, do I go, or do I stay, what do I do here? And about this time, uh, his mama gorilla takes him up to this treehouse, and they climb up there as only they can. And uh, she says to him, uh, this is where I found you. I found you as, as a baby. Your, your parents were here. They, they died, and I, I 
took you into my home and I raised you as one of my own. And it's the first time Tarzan has heard the, the backstory of, of his life and how he got there and, and who he is. And that kind of sets the course for him. He says, I want to go back to England. I want to go back and be with my people, so to speak. So he gets on the boat. But as soon as he gets on there, almost immediately he's locked up. Clayton, the, the guy that's leading this expedition, he wants these gorillas that are friends with Tarzan because it means money for him. It's a great financial gain, and so he wants to, to capture them, but Tarzan has to be out of the way. He can't deal with both. Tarzan, of course, figures it out, and he escapes, goes back to the island, and he saves the day, saves his family, and, and deals with things. And, of course, Jane and, and her father, they decide to stay and live with Tarzan in, in jungle bliss forever. But uh, one of the things that I want to draw is that like, the reason he stayed is because that was his place of safety. That was his place of security. This morning we're, we're being presented with God as the light. God is the light of the world. And I want us to, to receive that knowing that that is our place of security. That that is our ultimate place of safety. That the, the best place for us is to be in his light, to know his light, and know him as the light of of the world for us personally and for us and, and really for the whole world. And I want to get at that, that truth and, and that, that reality of having him as our light in our life through, through three ways. There's three things uh, that I want to look at this morning. There's so much more, but three things to look at. God's light reveals life. Uh, the second thing is God's light reveals a warning. And God's light in our life reveals hope. So life, warning, hope first one is, is God light, God's light reveals life. This is the longest point. Um, it may feel really long. The other ones, the other two points are not as rich in content. Uh, verse 12, again, uh, it, the text starts out with again, and I think this is a reminder of where this is happening. This is happening at the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths. This is still that occasion that Jesus is, is talking and teaching and, and, and really preaching there in the synagogue. And at first he says, I am the, the living water, and we got that promise, but now he's coming in that context too and saying he's the light of the world. You remember one of the, the special things we looked at last week was they had this, this pitcher, and they would take this pitcher, fill it up with water, and pour it over the altar, and they would have this water that, that flows out, and Jesus in that context says, I am the, the, the water, and you come and thirst, and you will find uh, joy in life there. But there's another scene as well that's important to us, and it takes place in, in this populous court area where it had been full of people. And that what they would do, remember the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths is, is a celebration of the Exodus in the desert, wandering around God by fire, God by light and by cloud, guiding, directing, feeding them water, manna, all that. They're celebrating that special time in, in their lives as, as the people of God. And one of the things they would do is they would have this, this, these huge candelabras, okay, that would hold, hold all this, this oil in the side of them, and some kind of wick, and they would go up, climb this ladder, and light this huge flame inside the temple or inside this, this temple courts there as a reminder of that, that flame that guided Israel in the desert, in the wilderness, that, that visual reminder of what God did and celebrating that and singing to him and, and worshiping in that context. And so this pillar of fires is lit on fire, and Jesus stands up and says to them what? I am the light of the world. He's saying to them, I am that light. I am the fulfillment of those things. You can imagine how powerful that would be. 
Uh, here is this huge candelabra. You're in this, this celebrating this thing, and Jesus is standing and saying, I am the light of the world. That light that guided you in the wilderness, I did that. That light that protected you and, and watched over you and, and led you, I am that light. And I am here now in your presence. I am this light of the world. Which I think raises maybe the, a helpful question, what does light do? What is, it, what is the purpose of light, that the value of light in our lives? Well, you think about it in, th- in three ways, really. Light gives life, okay? Plants, how do they grow? That, that light is involved in that. Farming, crops, they, they need light to grow. We need light for life. And so light provides life for us. Light is a source of truth. You know, you don't understand something. You, I want to shed light on that situation. I want to investigate it. I want to take it out of darkness and, and bring it into light to understand it. You walk into a dark room. You turn on a light switch because you don't want to trip on things. You want to know what's before you. You want understanding, and light provides that understanding for us. And light brings joy, or light brings comfort as well. And when our children were younger, we do the bedtime routine, and we get them in, and, and we pray for them, and, and tuck them in, and say goodnight, and close the door, and walk downstairs. And just when we would get settled into our, what we were into, somebody would come down the stairs and say, I'm scared. And they're like, okay. So we go back upstairs, and we do the whole thing again, a little abbreviated form, pray, tuck them in, you're okay. And then sometimes we'll turn on the closet light, and that does the trick. Just a little bit of light makes you feel comfortable because darkness is, is scary. It's uncomfortable. You don't know what's there, and light is a place of security. It's a place of, of safety and a place of joy. So God's saying he is the light of the world. Certainly he's about life. He's about truth, and he's about bringing us comfort in the midst of the darkness that we experience in our lives. But you get the problem, is God as this light in our lives. That God as light is so strong and so pure that we can't stand in that presence. We can't be in that presence. You know, the sun is great. You can't stare directly into it. You can't get too close to it because you'll get burned. And so God as the light in our lives raises a problem. But I think we're reminded, too, in this passage, God is our light, and Jesus says he is the light of the world, and Jesus is also our mediator. He's our mediator between us and God, and God as this light. Of course, as mediator and as light, he exposes, exposes the darkness. He exposes the things that we want to, to, to keep hidden, the things that we don't know are hidden. He exposes and brings all those things to light as our mediator. We wouldn't see a need for a mediator if there wasn't exposing, there wasn't um, things being revealed to us in, in our need for uh, help in our situations. But God is mediator too. He also covers up, doesn't he? He is this light that covers up uh, our sin, covers up and gives us forgiveness. And he gives us grace so that we can stand in the presence of God, so that we can know him as our light and not be destroyed and not be done away with Jesus is this mediator between us and God. Now, some of you are thinking, I get this. I hear this all my life, that Jesus is light, he's true, he's my salvation. I believe in this. I understand it. I know it. But my question for you is, on a functional, daily basis, is Jesus your light? Is he your light in a functional way? Not in an abstract way, not in, 
You know, I check this box on the form. I believe in Christianity. I believe in Jesus. But is he in your, is he in your life as a light in a daily way? Is he exposing? Is, is he a place of security? Is he a place of rest? Is he a place of, of joy for you? David Paulison, who was a Christian counselor, wrote a book called uh, Seeing with New Eyes. And in one section of that book, he talks about how we seek to um, deny God being light in our life, basically, how we like to, to cover up and, and hide from him, uh, how we don't want him functionally to be this light in our lives. He says, for one, we try to uh, cover up by making up. We try to cover up by making up. And what he means is, you know, we've got this sin problem, and we've done this thing, and instead of moving towards faith and repentance, what we do is we try and make up for it. We be extra nice to our neighbor, uh, extra nice to our spouse, or we do something nice at church, or we, we give a little bit more. We, we do extra uh, to, to make up for that deficiency. And you're not exercising faith at all. You're not exercising faith in Christ and who he is or what he's done. You're just covering up what's going on in your life. He says sometimes we cover up by misdirect. We misdirect in the sense of I'm going to give this area of life all my attention. Sometimes, you know, I'm going to give so much attention to theology and, and, and doctrine and things like that. And you forget to deal with the, 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 the most glaring problem in your life is, is maybe how judgmental you are. And your, your family is, and your kids are just shrinking under your, your criticism of them all the time. And people at work don't want to be around you because you feel, they feel like you're just so self-righteous. It, it's misdirect. It's like, I'm going to deal with this and wrestle through with this and ignore this in my life. You're covering up. God is not being a light in your life. Dealing with something small and seemingly insignificant compared to other things. And, of course, we cover up by comparison, don't we? We cover up by comparison. You know, I may have done this, but at least I didn't do that. At least I'm not that kind of husband or that kind of wife or that kind of employer or that kind of parent. I may have this issue, but at least I've never done that. We compare. And by comparing, I feel better about myself, and I don't need to expose myself to the light that Jesus is. Jesus comes as a lie of the world. He also comes as a mediator. And it's safe for us to expose ourselves before him because there's grace and there's life. It doesn't mean we don't have to deal with the, the truth that's, that's going on in our lives and the reality that's there, but there's healing, there's redemption. And that's why Jesus as the light is the safest place for us. The second thing, God's light reveals a warning. God's light reveals a warning. Verse 21, I'm going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. Verse 24, I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am, he will die in your sins. At three times in this passage, Jesus says, you will die in your sins. You will die in your sins. You will die in your sins. And what he's doing is, is I am the light. And as the light, I'm giving you this warning. Your sin leads somewhere. It's foolish to think that you can control it. That I can do this for a while, I can live this way for a while, and at the end I can come back to God, I can embrace him by faith. Your sin is leading somewhere. You are shaped by what you are doing. It's having an effect on you. You think you're controlling it, you think you can manage it, but you can't. You know, as, as parents, when we see our children lying, we are very quick to correct that. Why? 
Because we know that sin leads somewhere. We don't want them to be the type of person that lie. Because they'll never get a job. They'll never have any real friends if they continue down that path. There's consequences for those kinds of choices, for that kind of action in your life. And in doing those things, there are consequences. It's the nature of sin is to always want more. The nature of sin is certainly it's disobedience, it's disobeying God. But underneath that, you're, you're saying, in effect, God, you're not enough. I need more. I need something special. Why do you think Adam and Eve uh, f- fell for the, the lies of Satan? Because they thought that God wasn't enough. And we do it all the time. God, you're not enough. I need this. And we think, if I just had that once, I'll be okay. I'll get my fix. But it's an addiction. It's over and over and over again. You've got to have more of that. Jesus is saying your sin is going to lead somewhere. There's consequences for that. Come and know him as the light. And have those things exposed and dealt with. The last thing, uh, God's light reveals hope to us. God's light reveals hope. Verse 28 and 29 is where I see that. Uh, so Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. When he says he will be lifted up, what does that mean? Of course, that means the cross. That, that means his crucifixion, his rest, his resurrection, all those, those things. And, and three times in this gospel, John talks about Jesus being lifted up. Chapter 3, chapter 8 here, and then in chapter 12, that he is going to be lifted up. And it's a point to the cross that's there for us. And that's the hope of Jesus as the light of the world. The hope that we have. Yes, Jesus is this light that exposes. He's this light that, that gives us truth. But the life happens because God put his son on the cross. My point is, God wants you. He wants you to know him. He wants his people to embrace him. That's why he gave us his son. To die for us. To be lifted up in such a cruel way. To die like he did in complete um, all the grief and suffering that went with that because he wants us. He wants us close to him. We'll close with this story and then we'll, we'll pray. Some of you may hear about the, the show Modern Family. I have no idea if it's on the air. This is not an endorsement of the show, but there's various families that are in that show. And one family has uh, three kids, uh, two daughters and a son. And in this episode, he's, he's young. He's like early middle school age. His name is, is Luke. And, of course, they live in a neighborhood, and it's this great suburban neighborhood, I'm sure. And uh, they've got neighbors, and um, the parents have said, don't mess with the neighbor next door. His name is Walt. Don't mess with him. Walt is a, a senior citizen. He's an older fella, uh, lives alone, and nobody really knows him. He's kind of a mystery to everybody in the neighborhood, and they just think he's scary because he's just kind of grumpy. And uh, nobody knows him. He's foreign to him. They just, like, stay away from him. He's uncomfortable. And, of course, Luke, you know what's going to happen, okay? He has to go and, and see Walt for something. Either something was lost in his backyard that he wants back, some kind of toy or baseball or something like that. So he goes over to see Walt. He knocks on the door, and Walt comes and sees him. And Walt's got this oxygen tank that he's dragging behind him, and he's got the, the tubes coming out of his nose for this oxygen and if you're like a middle schooler, it's like this is kind of 
different, and you're kind of taken back by that. It feels a little uncomfortable. And he, Luke nervously explains, I, I need to get this, and can you help me out? And Walt is friendly, and they strike up this friendship. They strike up this relationship, and, and Luke will go home and talk about his friend Walt, and his parents are like, who is Walt? What are you talking about? And he's like, he's the guy that lives next door. And it turns out Walt is, is not mean. He's not trying to keep people away. He's just lonely. And my point is sometimes we think it's easy to think God is something that he's really not. That God has it in for me. That, that, that I can't really be happy if I know him. I can't really be happy if I obey him. I can't be happy. It, it, he doesn't really want me. He lifted up his son for his people. He lifted up his son for you. He wants you. He loves you. And he wants you to know the life that you can have in him as the light of the world. Are you willing to let him be that light in your life? To give you truth, to give you comfort, and expose yourself to the reality of him. Let's pray together. Father God, we uh, come to you and, and we want to know you as, as light. We want to know you as, as our truth, um, but that's uncomfortable too. That's scary because we don't know where it will lead if we're honest because there are things that we may have to do or give up. But we thank you that as the light, you forgive us. You are fully truth and fully holy, but you've come near. You've been lifted up for our sake. You've been lifted up because you want us to know you. You want us to have life in you. You want us to be near you. So would you make that true? Would you encourage us where we need it, where we're doubting? Would you give us uh, faith where we need understanding? Give us wisdom where we are lacking in desire. Would you fill us with passion and zeal? We ask all these things in your son's name. Amen.